Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, here we are again. Yes, we are. Glad to be here, man. Uh, You know what I'm glad for, brother? I am glad for sunshine and the warmer weather, and I can hear the birds. Spring is upon us. Oh, dude, it was amazing yesterday. I went for a walk, did a meeting outside. I heard the birds. I felt like Snow White. Just carry me away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nice. The energy you get is amazing, and it's so... So welcome. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. We're uh, we were talking about the topic today before the show, and uh, we were coming up with some crazy analogies uh, because we're, we're going to address a topic that uh, we all know, uh, but we don't all love, right? Yeah. Uh, CRM, right? And it's, it's part of a conversation around just the evolution of sales, right? There are thousands of tools being developed today. Uh, to help salespeople become more effective. At least that's what we're told as salespeople. Um, When CRM came out, and by the way, one of the first, actually the first tech startup I was part of back in 93, 94 was a CRM company, Um, believe it or not. Stories there I can talk about. Um, And back then we did the same thing. We promoted it as something that was gonna help sales folks out back then. For those of you who uh, aren't old enough to appreciate it, we were using pen and paper to track our stuff. We were using, um, you know, booklets that were designed to manage our calendars. Mm -hmm. And we were just being delivered laptops at that time as salespeople. So it was a different world. I don't know if you remember back that far. Were you still... Were you walking back then, Chris? I was crawling. I was crawling. No, I, I do remember internet and computers and laptops hitting, but for me, it was a little bit earlier and, uh, it was, it was a wild transition to go through. And I think, you know, for people listening to this episode, you you either appreciate them or you don't. And if you don't appreciate a CRM, the promise we can make to you is stick around because you're going to hear what happens if you don't, what you're losing, what you gain by doing it and how to do it for you in a way that makes sense right. and is effective and simple. So I know that I would have clicked play on this episode years ago and heard that word and been like, I'm going to skip this one. And uh, <laughs> you're going to be so glad that you didn't because it is more than just a conversation on a laptop or a tool. We're going to get into the deep guts of it because you've been around the block on this, man. I mean, we were we were barely talking about it. And I was like, that's like more stats than I've ever heard on CRMs in like a paragraph. Yeah. Uh, but to help people understand it, yeah, this this analogy we were talking about, um, we we landed on this idea of morning routines as a way of understanding a relationship with a CRM. Now, I know, Jimmy, you're pretty savage about your morning routines, but what do you do like 
you first wake up, walk me through just the first couple of things, just so we can put us there with you and get to know you more. Well, it's what's amazing. Um, you know, I used to, I remember the first time I heard uh, Kobe Bryant talk about the morning routine and his idea of starting at 4 a.m. At the time, I was starting at about 5.30, right? And um, because, you know, I want to get my workout in and everything done by the time my daughter is up and ready for school, she hits the breakfast table at 6.30, she hits her car at 6.45, and she's gone. And so that kind of would guide my morning routine. Uh, it's It seems, though, the more efficient and effective I get, the earlier I wake up, Chris, this, maybe this is something you know, I can talk about offline, but man, I was up at two 30 this morning Oof. and, um, yeah. And, you know, a little early and, 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 you know, when, without sleep, you're not going to work out. So what's interesting is there's a reason I'm up though, because I'm really fresh. Um, my, my mind is going and I can just bust out a lot of creative material in advance of my five 30 workout and then seeing my daughter, then starting my day. And I actually had time today for coffee with my wife afterwards. But what's really cool is for me, the way I start my day dictates the way I end my day. And man, when the clock hits uh, six o'clock, we have dinner. I am off, baby. I am chilled. I'm relaxing with my family. I may be having uh, a glass of wine. You know, that's just how I want to live my life. But uh -huh. having that discipline for me is critical. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, I and and that's the idea here with a CRM, the discipline done in a way that works for you. So hang tight here because this isn't about forcing something. Done in a way that works for you leads to what happens when you get to let down and relax. And too many people, what they're doing is letting their back get put against the wall with stress and their business and their sales and their leadership, and then letting the stress of that be what activates them. And so we don't want to lead or live that way. We want to be in a place where before our back gets against the wall. So yeah, the morning routine thing, I, I wake up, I have some water, some electrolytes and, uh, then workout. Uh, actually I get in the sauna first, warm up, workout sauna. I mean, it's like all so dialed in. I love it. Um, and then there's some steps after that. Uh, that are important also and where I have my first coffee, but all of those things are built around this idea that, yeah, I love it. You, you know, I'm setting up the rest of the day. I'm setting up the evening. And, and for me, there's things, if I skip over or don't do, it does affect my sleep. And I am, uh, I'm addicted to feeling great. Now I'm not addicted to what I feel always doing the routines, which we're getting to that in a minute. Right. So for like those that are here, day, for example, Ooh, yeah, I think my stomach <laughs> just felt a shot of lactic acid hit it uh, by you just saying it. Um, so for those that are here, you know, we're going to start right off with this idea that a CRM is essential. You know, there might be some people that are uh, not at a place they're using one. And, and really, just so you know, that's that's a, a really poor place to begin. It would be like saying, I don't need to have awareness of my finances. I don't need to have a budget or manage my household finances, because very quickly with your leadership efforts in sales, you will get beyond being able to remember. So if any beginners out there, don't take it for granted. You're going to get beyond being able to remember so fast. You think you might, there's no way you will. Uh, but Jimmy, throw it down for us on kind of that 
what you were sharing earlier, these these stats around where you see this uh, company start to use CRMs? Well, it's it's interesting. It's like a morning routine, right? Um, there are those of us who've been doing it for a while. So we're beyond that beginner and pro stage. We're kind of in that level of mastery, right? I mean, I, you know, you talk about water and electrolytes. I mean, I know at noon, I know if I started my day with my requisite two glasses of water or not. I mean, it's wild. Like if I want to wake up and hit it, two shots of water, fill the glass a third time and I go, if I don't, right. But there's a level of mastery in running our, our, those daily routines that allow us to make it our own. Mm. Um, but we start off beginning, right? We started off at some place and that was with some advice or some insight or some example that we, it was set for us that got us on this path. And so, yeah, there are a lot of folks out there leveraging CRM today uh, and, and most are at the beginner stage, right? So statistically, we know about 90% of companies with 11 employees or more are using CRM. Uh, and they're paying their monthly bill and they're distributing it to their salespeople. And, you know, they're giving it some requisite attention. Mm-hmm. What's the problem with that requisite beginner level attention? What kind of problems exist, right? Well, you know, oftentimes organizations that bring on a CRM just open the CRM and rock and roll. Like they don't make any adjustments at all. Oftentimes that's because CRM is meant to systematize or automate a process that's already working. Mm. So think about this. You're adapting a generic piece of of machinery, a a generic tool that was made for 40, 50,000, 100,000, several million different users. So the idea is it's impossible to imagine bringing a tool like that into your organization, not modifying it and calling it strategic. Not possible. Right. And something that was built to be generic cannot become strategic without modification, without you adapting and adapting it in a way that makes it unique to your organization. But more importantly, it has to reflect your fastest path to cash. It has to reflect your fastest path to a successful buying decision in your world with your products and services, with your buyers. And if it doesn't, all you're doing is automating something that's broken. All you're doing is getting to failure faster. All you're doing is proving to your sales team how little they know more often and with less effort. And so of course people aren't going to, aren't going to use it. Yeah. That's so strong. That is so strong. And it's like this idea of, you know, morning routines, supplements, whatever the things that you're doing, if you're just copying other people, you're going to be in a place where you are going to be hit and miss with what works for you versus the modification of paying attention to what works well for you, how you're wired up, what, what your body responds to. So as the morning routine, the, the CRM and yeah, I mean, it's, it seems obvious when you say it, but I think so many people skip over it. Tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of users and how, there's no way you're your unique company. You have your unique products. Um, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, what for those that would say, okay, I get it. I'm going to, I'm going to have one. I'm, I'm going to modify it. I'm going to dive into what you're saying here. Um, I'm going to get going and I'm going to implement it. 
And you would say, whoa, 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 you're going to implement it, but are you going to implement it effectively? And I love what you walk through on the costs of not doing that. Um, so we need this. We need to be reminded of this because it's not enough to just do it, right? We have to do what works for us. It's like the number of times that I've thought that I was supposed to start my day a certain way and I was bored. I wasn't getting activated. Right. I wasn't delivering the results that I wanted to see, right? And then I lose my edge. So yeah. wake us up, man. Well, what are these costs? It, it's a great, uh, it's a great point. And, and I, you know, I would say for anyone, let's forget about sales. Let's forget about CRM for a second. Back to a point you just made, Chris. Think about anywhere in your life where you kill it, where you're just so finely tuned, so focused, so aware, so skilled, so schooled, you know, so dedicated to reaching a higher level of success. I don't care what that is. That's the level of awareness that you have to have to really, or that you have to want to have in the context of sales to truly optimize one tools like CRM, as well as yourself as a salesperson and, and achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Right? So if if you're not that dedicated to understanding sales, to applying sales, to getting good at sales, um, you know, then CRM and that generic non-strategic implementation might be all you can hope for. But if you're willing to, right, if you want, for example, that 3x growth rate that we talk about a lot, right? If you want that sales growth engine that can triple your year-over-year growth rate without adding a salesperson, for example. CRM can help you get there. It's not the entire answer. Like last time we spoke about this idea of mindset, skill set, tool set, CRM can be the tool set. You still need that skill set and the mindset to make it all happen. But if you're willing to commit, then it can be part of that sales growth engine that gets you to that higher level performance and then delivers, of course, all the benefits that having a highly engineered sales organization that can get you, that can scale you to where you want to be, man, there's nothing better. It's like, I mean, I've given you the analogy, Chris, before of it's like having your hands in the wheel of a high performance sports car, right? And that highly engineered engine that responds to every downshift into the hairpin turn and every acceleration to the straightaway. And it responds to your commands. It does what you expect it to do. Imagine your sales force operating the same way. It can do that with that level of commitment. And I'll tell you what, it can't do that without a tool to collect that data, but also to reinforce the best practices that work in your world, that work for your organization. Mm. I'm picturing the CRM like the paddle shifter on the steering wheel. <laughs> you know, it's like you've got all this, you've got the product, you've got the talent, you've got whatever you've got to make it all go, but you still got to be able to to shift through the different phases of the customer journey, if we will. And uh, click, 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 click. Um, man, that makes me want to go drive right now. <laughs> <laughs> Paddle yeah, shift so, away. So if we don't have that though, right. and, and we don't build it in, what are, what are we experiencing as a cost? Right. And so it's important to know the cost because, you know, for many of us, 
this is uh, the first time we've done it, or we've implemented CRM, but we, but we didn't implement it the proper way, or we're not getting full value out of it. Like we feel like there's something wrong um, without a deep level of expertise. Now, yeah, we've been I've been working in CRM for 30 years, and yeah. I've seen the I've seen the environment evolve tremendously. Uh, I still remember when even after 10 years, Salesforce.com, everybody thought that was a joke, right? Don't, they're not going to be around, right? And look where they are today. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you have to have a level of awareness to know kind of what's going on or if there is a challenge that can be fixed. Just like when you're driving the car, if you hit the gas and the car stalls, it's obvious. Well, the issues with CRM aren't so obvious. Hmm. So there are four that I think are the most important that we can talk about. The first one is this idea of capacity. And many of us don't think about the capacity of our sales force, but without, uh, without a proper implementation of CRM, you're going to have a lower capacity to sell. What do I mean by that? Um, today, about 50 to 60% of pipeline deals end in no decision. And that means that those opportunities that were in your pipe that were qualified and are being worked by salespeople, 50 to 60% of those, the buyer is not going to make a buying decision. They're not going to buy from anybody. What does that mean? In most of the cases, those were unqualified opportunities. Those were people that were just kicking the tires. I call them tire kickers, window shoppers, and bone collectors. And I'll tell you, I can explain those examples later, maybe on another episode. But the idea is these are folks who really don't care about wasting someone's time they don't care about uh, the fact that a salesperson has a job to do. They're just, they just want information. And you know what? They found salespeople willing to give them the information they need, regardless of whether they were, willing, were truly willing to commit to a buying decision. Mm. And so what ends up happening is if, if 50 to 60% of your pipeline will end in no decision, then your engine is working at half capacity. And so if your sales process plus your CRM is not mitigating those risks, then all you're doing, as we said before, is automating a broken process and just filling your day full of more crap, right? More, of st more stuff that's not going to deliver the results. It's like giving your reps six months off every selling year. Is that how you want to operate? And, you do, and is that yeah. the process that you want to automate? Yeah. Well, I know that feeling to tie this back into the morning routines when my day has a capacity that is not blocked by things that my morning routine puts in motion. You know, I know that feeling when it's when it's a day's capacity experience that really feels like it could have been a whole week, like so much ground was taken. Um, super, super love it. Well, what's the next cost? Yeah. Um, so if you're using CRM, you should be able to track the capacity of that CRM. That's the first thing you want to you want to do. Make sure that you're tracking that. Make sure you can alter and improve that. Second thing is this idea of shrinking or flat deal values. Right. So one of the things that we want to do is is leverage CRM that can help reinforce a sales process that allows us to um, be more effective as salespeople. Oftentimes today we are running into objections, right? So 50 to 60% of the objections handled by B2B sales folks have to do with price. A properly implemented CRM should anticipate those objections and be able to provide salespeople with tools they can use to either overcome those objections 
or avoid them 100% in the first place. So why not run a sales process? Why not run a value-based sales process and track the discipline that people are developing around executing that process to make sure that we can address those objections up front so that we can uh, minimize objections, we can sell value, we can recommend larger product service packages, um, and we can we can get out of the business of compromising to buyers who ask us for those compromises and just kind of sell from that mantle of leadership and actually drive deals that are having the largest contribution possible to to the to the business. Think about think about think about two things: having a pipeline that's running at half speed, and then think about giving away money in terms of deal size or not closing large enough deals. Think about the cost of sales that this is presenting to you. Think about yeah. the think about getting better at doing worse and the cost that that has and the, and the impact on your cost of sales. And it's just something that as you start to pile these on, should become worrisome, not just for the sales rep because it's taking money out of your pocket, but also for your manager and the business owner. Yeah. So, this is so clear to me. So the morning routine connection here would be, it's it's not the absence of the positive, but the presence of the negative. It would be like eating pancakes for your morning routine, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, and we're talking about like no protein supplemented pancakes. You eat those pancakes. I've felt it before on a Saturday and you's like, I'm going to go run six miles. And you're like a mile and a half in. And you're like, I'm dying now because I have shrunk or flattened my ability, the right. deal value. Right. Um, so clear, man. Well, what, you had, what you had to bring up pancakes, right? <laughs> it's, it's funny, man. I'm, I'm at 55. Uh, you know, there are, there are some foods I've learned to hate, right? Because of the way they make me feel and what they do to me. So I prefer not to go down that path. Pancakes, man, I used to love them. They're one that I, those, those are ones that I've learned to hate, but there are still those ones in the middle that, mm, that still tempt me to cheat, right? Those are the ones I'm dealing with now. But um, yeah, that brings back some old, some old memories, man. <laughs> that was when our, I mean, I was, my daughter was having something with a lot of rice in it at lunch, white rice the other day. I was like, oh, I couldn't do that right now. Uh, she's like, it didn't even affect me. And I'm like, yeah, you get older, your sugar. I mean, and I do things to keep it in order, but that's the whole idea. Like as your organization matures, as your team ages, you know, these things can get so sloppy, right? right? And that's why we have to continually make sure we're using it effectively, which we'll get into at the end. Yeah. Um, well, what else are we losing out on? Yeah. If we're not using the third it one, The third one I think is really important is this idea of conversion rates, right? So think about... Uh, conversion rates, not just in terms of how many proposals turn into contracts, but think about conversions at each stage of the sales process or your sales pipeline. And the biggest one that we look at is the conversion rate from qualified opportunity to closed deal. So from qualified to closed, you really can't track that without a CRM. But you also can't, even if you have a CRM, you can't track it if the data is incorrect and if the data hasn't been collected from the very beginning. When we talk about adopting CRM, we can point to the statistics around what does it take to get a, to get to 100% adoption. But I would offer that even at 100% at adoption, meaning everybody uses it, 
you still might be only using five or 10% of the power of the system. So what kind of impact can that have on your organization? Well, if your folks are entering deals, you know, late in the sales cycle, because you're the kind of organization that beats the crap out of a salesperson if they lose a deal. Well, if I, if I'm going to get that kind of treatment, when I lose a deal, I'm not going to, I'm only going to put sure things in the pipe, right? So that I can be questioned on those. That's just one example. There are hundreds out there, but whatever we may be doing to discourage the use of of CRM, just by virtue of how we manage the sales team, that can influence when data gets in and how accurate that data is. So lower conversion rates, right? So top sales performers are, believe this or not, believe it or not, top sales performers in your organization are 50 to 200% more effective than their peers, just in general, just in terms of how they sell. What's the power of CRM? The power of CRM is if I can track how those top performers operate, what they're doing compared to what my their peers are not doing, now I can use CRM to level the playing field. I can elevate those non-top performers up. It can be a system that raises all boats. Otherwise, it's a system that just becomes an administrative burden for the users, and it's something that people can't wait not to use. In fact, I've been part of organizations in the early part of my career as a salesperson where if you were a top performer, you were rewarded by not using the CRM. Well, if you're hitting your number, I don't care what you're doing. Go get them, Tiger. But everybody who wasn't hitting their number, you had to use CRM. And, and what was the point of that? It was like, now CRM is a punishment. So I want to hit my number so I don't have to use the system. Meanwhile, leadership is giving up on all that amazing data that could be captured to help elevate the rest of the team. Dude, that's, uh, <laughs> I would have never connected that dot. Uh, you're surfacing what becomes a shadow system. Totally makes sense. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put this data in there because look how I'll be, you know, punished in a sense for doing the system. So we want to be wiser than that, smarter than that. And we're going to do that. Talking about this idea of the morning routine, then we understand, you know, I learn from people that are ahead of me, that are farther down the road, that are advancing, that are getting uh, more and more awareness. Uh, you see all these people now that measure their blood sugar with these little patches and they figure out like, you know, for most people, oatmeal spikes your blood sugar. So that's something I wouldn't have known, right? Unless I'm monitoring my own. But these leaders who are getting 50 to 200% more effectiveness help get this data so that we can all rise up to the next level. Um, so for me, as you're laying this out, it's like crazy clear um, what, what a lost opportunity to not learn from these people who are being real experts. And as you think about what it means to up level or upgrade the whole team, you want people in this place where uh, you're not punishing the superstars, but you're not building it all around them. True A players want to develop other people to be A players with them. Right. And that's, that's the expectation of that growth culture, right? So when you think about implementing a sales growth engine, it's, it's representative of the growth culture that you have in place. And so think about separating top performers from the rest of the pack and think about developing a sales organization that does not operate like a team. 
Think about the cost to the company of not taking advantage of the leverage that could be created by building a team that worked together, that came together and brainstormed and figure out new and better ways to, to, to go to market together. It's in, when you're part of an organization like that, it is incredible. And so what, what does that require? It requires leadership to have the level of awareness to know that the way that you treat that team is going to either contribute to or degrade the ability of that organization to work as one. We talk about forming a team of one, right? CRM can help support that. It's not the answer, but if you're not leveraging CRM properly, if you have more of the costs than the benefits, then it can be representative of what's happening on a larger scale and other changes that have to be made in your organization to truly achieve what you want. And believe it or not, Chris, man, when you're, when you're there, when you're in the zone, when you're in the flow, you're accomplishing two or three times more than you did the year before. And you know what? Much less stress, much less uh, pressure. It seems easier because you're, you're in that space where you can operate freely. And it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah, I believe it because it carries across, you know, multiple dimensions and multiple fields. Well, what's the last cost? The last one. So the last one's important, uh, longer sales cycles. So it's interesting. It takes four times longer to lose a deal than to win a deal. So if your CRM can't show your reps the fastest path to a successful buying decision, and it can't help them disqualify deals that are wasting their time, right? Uh, then what incentive does your, do your reps have to use the, the tool, right? We want CRM to be able to help us shrink sales cycles. When you, when you shrink sales cycles, you can increase deal flow, right? You can do more deals in a set period of time. It increases cash flow. Everybody gets a raise. Everybody gets a raise from the, from the salesperson to the owner or shareholders of the business, right? Because you're a much more efficient, effective organization. You're doing far more with the same assets than you could before. Mm. Mm. So if, you, if you're not tracking deal, the length of your deals, and you're not thinking about how to get those deals that aren't going to close out of, the, out of your pipeline sooner, if you're waiting until they ghost you, speaking of an episode that we previously did, but if you're waiting until they ghost you and you send them your proposal and they don't respond, if you're waiting for that to figure out, wow, I may have made a mistake, I may, be, may have been wasting my time, then clearly you're not being as effective as you could if you had gotten, if you have gotten rid of that opportunity earlier in the pipeline. And yeah. so we know that when organizations are able to do this, they're able to uh, increase their capacity, as we've talked about, they can increase deal sizes, they can improve conversion rates at each stage in the process, and they can shrink their sales cycle times. And what's awesome about these four costs is they directly relate to the four benefits of an effectively implemented CRM system. And all four of these components drive something called uh, sales velocity or the velocity of your, of your pipeline. Many people have heard of this before, but most who try to implement it fail because they don't really understand how to calculate velocity. Uh, but if, you, if, you've, uh, if you've got CRM optimized, you don't have these costs, you actually turn them into benefits. And that's how we get organizations to 3X their year-over-year growth rate without adding a rep, simply by looking at the efficiency 
of how they operate and just paying attention to the stuff that moves the needle. Wow. I mean, it's such a clear elucidation of this idea that what is measured can be managed. You're just measuring things that most people are avoiding and skipping over. And then you're seeing what most people can't see because you have such full visibility. You've worked so hard to capture the blind spots. Um, wow. Now, we would think that with these costs, that would be enough for people to stay the course. But yet we know that's not the case. Um, and that's why you're so passionate about saying mindset first. And I, and I love it. So as we think about the mindset of what it means for you as an individual to execute, to implement, to live out this CRM, uh, you can expect some phases. And uh, as you seek to live this out, you can expect phase one to really be about honesty. And the organization or the sales team, we can think about this in terms of morning routines. It serves you, you don't serve it. And I see so many people do this in any arena where they're trying to make a change, but definitely in, you see it in tools and technology of companies. They set something up or put it in place, and then there's the S word, should, you know? And, and they're not really thinking about, does this serve us or do we serve it? And that's why I love the way we kicked off this conversation. It's like, no, it's got to be effective. And how does it get effective when you modify it for what you need? And so at the beginning of this journey, you want to pay attention to, are we doing that modification? Are we making sure that this is serving us, that it's not about the tool, but it's where we want to get because of the tool. And, uh, and for everybody know, who's using it, Chris, not just leadership, yeah. but for everyone who's making the investment to make this thing work. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you think about the time and the energy and the money. And, and so why would we not want to be in a place where we're being honest? Uh, sadly, so much of the leadership journey starts with um, what most people skip over, and that's accepting reality. So we want to accept reality. Is it working? How is it working? How well is it working? Because that's where we're going to get those insights from modification. And after you move out of phase one and you really settle this, we're going to make sure it serves us. We don't serve it. You get to phase two. And this happens over time. This is where you can start to lose your edge a little bit. This is where you can start to compromise. Um, I think about this in the morning because while I have some morning routines, there are three things that I do that are hard. And Jimmy, when it comes to doing the hard things, sometimes I want to skip. Sometimes I want to compromise. One of the hard things is the workout system. The other hard thing is a breathing exercise that I do. It's super intense and my body doesn't want to do it, right? It's like, because you, you get to this place where you're kind of fighting for your hair. The third thing that I do is a cold shower, freezing cold shower. I've been doing that for like seven years. You would think my body's used to it. Literally, I only take a little bit of a warm shower one day a week and I'm not. I'm not used to it in the sense of like, my body doesn't want to do it. It fights against me. But this is where the brain science comes in. It's so powerful. And if you can adopt this for CRM, it's really great. It's dopamine. Your body can adjust as you embrace doing hard things. And you make, it's like this whole idea you've heard, embrace the suck. You make doing the hard thing a part of the joy. So I'm like, oh, it's cold shower. Yeah. <laughs> CRM 
same thing. For a lot of people, it's not a natural step to organize their relationships. I think some people think it's like they shy away from it because they think it's anti-relational. And, and that's not true at all. I mean, we, we know how helpful it is to get reminders and to organize our mind and what we're experiencing in our content. But for a lot of people, what happens is they just lose that edge. They stop doing it. They make little shortcuts and compromises. I won't go as hard on that workout set. I won't do the cold shower today. And I know this, if I don't do it today, how much does that increase the likelihood that I won't do it tomorrow? Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting, Chris, you're reminding me of uh, uh, when I, on my journey, right, for around diet and so forth and health and lung, for me, longevity is a big deal. Uh, and one of the first things that I was convinced to extract from my diet was uh, sugar, right? Refined sugar. Mm. I still eat a lot of fruit and everything else, but refined sugar. So, you know, what helped me was thinking about this idea that sugar is not a treat. Mm -hmm. So just, let's just think about that for a second. So for me, I grew up in the restaurant biz, man. My wife, my mom was a amazing baker. Right. And when we were married, my wife and I, she kept, <laughs> she kept the tradition going, right. Let's make Jimmy happy. Um, but, you know, think about this idea that sugar isn't a treat. It's not a reward for a hard day's work. It actually does more harm. So if you have that, that construct, apply it back to this idea of taking a cold shower or hitting that exercise in your workout routine that you despise, right? We kind of feel like not doing it is a reward. Mm. So, you know, so the idea that it's skipping the cold shower is not a treat. It's not a reward. It actually is uh, not helping you. It's, it's doing damage like that sugar might be skipping that set. Isn't a reward, even though it might that's, feel like, Oh, I don't want to do it again, just how I process stuff, but it helps me tremendously. And this this idea of not investing, throwing money at CRM, and then not doing the 80% of the hard work to make it to make it effective for your organization, that's not a treat. That's not something to be excited about. Dude, I love it. And that's what's going to, I love that line. You know, this isn't a reward to skip this. And that's what's going to open up those dopamine channels. You know, that's what's going to get the full impact of that. There's a neuroscientist, uh, Andrew Huberman, he talks about like, you don't want to listen to music while you're working out all the time, because then you relate to the exercise for the reward of the music and not for the reward of the payoff. And you're not going to get that full dopamine release. And um, yeah, I love it. It's not a, so it's not a reward to skip effective use of the CRM. It's going to hurt later. There's going to be a cost. So phase one, we go, okay, it serves us. We don't serve it. Phase two, where this is the, the middle part, right? Where you start to dip down in your implementation of the CRM, you focus on committing over compromise. You, so you, you commit over compromise. You watch for that compromise. The third phase, and this is where the life cycle starts to end with that current CRM or how it's currently structured. It's, it's not as effective it loses some of its vitality and its life. And we know this like your, your morning routines. You may have the staples that you go on, but when something isn't working, you get honest about those results ASAP. And, and you make the changes necessary 
It's like a calendar. If my calendar isn't doing what I want it to do, I have to upgrade the infrastructure of my calendar because it's like it's the container that holds everything. So the CRM is this container that holds the relationships, the deal flow, the quality, the steps we're taking. And when it loses its effectiveness, and it will at some point, what do you do? You go to a new one, or that's dramatic, smaller, you modify it some more. You get it to the point that it is going back to phase one, serving you, you not serving it. And so if you can keep this view in mind, it keeps your mindset sharp to stay on the journey. Yeah, beautiful. So Chris, I'm I'm curious about mindset, right? So we talk about mindset a lot uh, in the context that we are we open the show with mindset, skill set, tool set. Those three disciplines are what we look at to build winning habits within a sales organization. And we know that tools are useful, but not if you don't have the skills. Skills can be developed, but not if you your mindset isn't going to allow you or isn't going to believe that, oh, this is going to work for you or that it's possible. Uh, but mindset is more than just a belief system. Yeah, it's it's the roots of who we are. It's the, it's our very identity. And so if you're having trouble adopting or adapting a CRM, and whether it's you as the sales leader doing it for your team or you doing it as an individual, what you're going to want to look at is the root, the mindset system, because then you're going to figure out why you're blocked to do it. It could be that you've built who you are around your achievement and you go, well, that's good enough for the common salespeople, but I am a rogue maverick and you will not contain me. <laughs> uh, it could be that you are, you know, oh man, when I get big opportunities, I tend to mess up something right at the end. Uh, and this self-sabotaging limiting belief, something in your identity is telling you that you don't have what it takes. Uh, it could be, and this is happens a lot too, you know, you want to make sure you're only doing things at a very high level. And so you don't like experimenting and you get into a comfortable, comfortable routine with the CRM for five years. And then a big change happens or three years or whatever. This surfaces the place where your mindset can be transformed, the limiting belief that says, I shouldn't make a mistake. If I make a mistake, I'm a failure. When, hey, it's a new CRM or it's a new modified CRM, you're going to have a time to learn it. It takes time to learn new skills. So look for where insecurities show up because that's the goal of where your mindset can be transformed. Yeah, Great conversation. And, you know, for listeners who are curious about sales flow and those four costs, hit me up. Happy to send uh, more information about that to you so you can think about that yourself. Don't think about the conversation as the uh, end-all, be-all, where you want to be. Think about it as um, a call to exploring whether or not you guys are optimizing the tools at your disposal um, to achieve the goals that you have in mind. And then, and then use that to explore this idea of mindset, right? What is the collective mindset? What is the collective identity of your sales organization? Many of us think of that in terms of culture. That's fine. What is the collective culture of your sales organization? Can it be improved? Can you be more effective? And if so, that's when you take that next step. And I don't mind saying, Chris, you know, we have this, this tool called the Growth Multiplier Index, which is designed to help individuals and teams and leaders understand the fixed and flexible components of mindset. 
we actually do it first thing with every one of our clients, just so we can get a, a basis, a sense of where we are starting from. And that gives us the idea of what plan and next steps then make the most sense to get us to where we want to be as fast as possible. If you're interested, hit us up. We're happy to provide you with a complimentary trial of this. Uh, it'll change your life. Yes, it will. Thanks, Chris. Good stuff, man. Until next time, my man, have a, have a great uh, weekend and great week. I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Let's do it. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Peace.